0: The following audio presentation is from Parkwood Baptist Church. The purpose of Parkwood Baptist Church is to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. More information about Parkwood Baptist Church is available at parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28, 16 through 20. The mission defined... Intention is to be very clear, very simple, very straightforward with the mission of the church. The commission to make disciples is the foundational responsibility in the church's mission. The commission to make disciples is the core of the church's mission. Now, what we have done in times past, is focus on the Great Commission, zero in to such an extent that, that we miss sometimes the broad view of what God is doing throughout Scripture. We miss salvation history. We, we, miss, we miss the activity of God in all the world. And we say, all that we need to do is make disciples. Well, being biblically informed, being being informed by the mission of God, it, it's, it's so much more is going on than that. God has created from, from, from the very beginning, he has created with design and with purpose and with intention. From creation to fall to redemption to restoration. We see the activity of God bringing about a desired outcome, a desired end. God did not create, then the fall happened and say, oh, what am I gonna do? Okay, I'll send Jesus. From the very beginning, his point, his purpose, his goal was to redeem a people for himself. And so Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And so when when we come to Matthew 28, we we have gotten to the point where Jesus has come from creation. And Genesis three, the first gospel, Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel, After the fall, Jesus says, I will send one born of a woman who will redeem you from your sin. And throughout the Torah, throughout the Pentateuch, throughout the law, the prophets and the writings, throughout the whole Testament, we have been building to the point of Matthew 28 where Jesus has come, he is the promised Messiah and he is here and he has come and he has redeemed us from our sins. Therefore, go and make disciples. Follow him and help other people to follow him. But then being biblically informed, being more broadly informed on what's going on by the time we get to to the mission of God and the Great Commission, people like Stephen Neal and Kevin DeYoung, Greg Gilbert have helped us by saying that if everything is mission, then nothing is mission. And so we come back to the activity of God across the ages the story of God throughout the Bible informs the Great Commission. But if we're going to be helpful in giving the church and proclaiming a church and speaking to the church and directing the church about the mission of God and the mission of the church, then we come back to the biblically informed, mission of God informed, Great Commission, to make disciples. And so we turn today to Matthew 28. So stand and we'll read God's word together regardless of what else is said from this platform today this is the word of God and so we read Matthew 28:16 Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted and Jesus came and said to them All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, first, we are grateful for the gospel. We were a people that were far from you and would have remained far from you and would have gone as far as we could to move farther from you. And yet you sent your son to us to redeem us from our sins. You you sent your word to us to reveal who you are and to reveal your gospel to us. So Father, the fact that we are sitting here in a worship service today, we are grateful to you. We would ask that you would make us faithful to your commission to make other disciples, that we would not keep this gospel to ourselves, but that we would be made faithful to share it. Make it so, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The mission is for every follower of Christ. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. They went to Galilee because of verse 10. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they'll see me. So they're in Galilee. We know that there are more than the 11 here. We know that there are more than just 11 followers of Christ. There were many followers of Christ. There were some who followed from a distance, some who followed him closely and intimately, some who followed him just to see the next show. We know that there are a variety of people there because of verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So there, there were there among them, some that believed and some that did not. The mission is for every follower of Christ. It begins because of time and space with these 11. And as Matt's comments, as Matt mentioned in his comments, what an amazing thought that God would have this grand plan and entrust it to 11 men beyond 11, to entrust it to us. Second Corinthians four, clay vessels who are fragile and brittle and fail every day, that he would entrust this precious gospel to us. And it is indeed entrusted to every believer. Mark Dever in this very accessible book, small book, Understanding the Great Commission, is helpful to say, to reinforce that, what I just said, that the mission of God that the great commission, that this commission to make disciples is for every single believer. It's also helpful to say, it's not just, it is not only for every believer, it is for the church. You as a believer must, you must acknowledge that this commission was given to you make disciples. If you're a follower of Christ, then how can you understand the gospel and fail to share it with others? I would say we we most likely misunderstand the gospel if we're keeping it to ourselves. So you as an individual, I as an individual believer, must be about the great commission. But we as a church must be about the great commission. So you as a, an individual must own the great commission, but you as an individual can't sit back and say, "Well, the church must do it. We must recognize that the Great Commission is for every believer and for the church, one and the same. Those scripture verses, Acts two forty-one, Acts 11, 20, 26, 14, 1, 7, 21, and 23, Acts eighteen eight and Acts nineteen seventeen. 17. You read through those verses and you see the, 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 the move from the gospel, from Jerusalem outward. You see the, the new believers being made, you see disciples being made, And in that same story is the story of the church being established, of new churches being planted. You don't read in those verses, go plant a church. You read, you've read, go make disciples. And then as disciples are being made, you see how the church is being planted. As believers as people come to faith, as people become believers, then believers begin to gather as churches and worship God as one, and then accomplish the great commission as one. You cannot accomplish the great commission by yourself. It must be the church. It's the individual and the church. The mission is for every follower of Christ. The mission is also from authority. I have taught in an attempt to be emphatic, taught and emphasized that the commission is to you that we are his soldiers tried to emphasize my role as the commissioned and my role as the one not that as if God is wringing his hands, saying I hope they come through but understanding that he has entrusted this to us and I've tried to emphasize that to, to draw significance to this commission and then it occurred to me The commission is not important because of the command or those involved. The commission is important because of the one who gives the commission. The commission is important because Jesus Christ is the one who says, go and make disciples. Jesus Christ says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Don't be deceived. His command will make no difference to you personally. His command will make no difference in your life if you don't submit to his authority. We cannot just acknowledge his authority, we must submit to his authority. But in acknowledging or submitting his authority, make no mistake about it, he has all authority whether we acknowledge it or not. Authority is not given by man, it's given by God. Passive tense, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It was given to him by God. God bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Authority is not given by man, but it's given by God. And it's demonstrated in a few verses earlier in the resurrection. It is, as we said, God who has promised a Messiah, God who has promised one who would come. God has promised A a way to redeem your sins, to forgive your sins. One who would come, be born of a woman, and would conquer sin in the grave, would defeat the serpent. There is one who would come, and it is Jesus. Jesus Christ, at this point, is the resurrected Christ. He has defeated sin, death, and the grave, and He is the victorious one, and He is the only one. Who has, have, who has authority in heaven and on earth. It is Jesus Christ alone, and this commission comes from him. And so if for no other reason, because Jesus Christ says it, no matter what comes after that, my answer is yes, because Jesus has said it. When Jesus speaks, our answer is yes. What has he said but to go and make disciples? So let's look at some other passages of scripture. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall come to, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. He is the ruler of an everlasting kingdom. He has all authority. Job 38, one through seven. Then the Lord answered Job Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand who determined its measurements. Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? Or, what were it? or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Chapter 40, verse seven, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Have you an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? Adorn yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out of the overflowing of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them. All in the dust together, bind their faces in the world below, then I also acknowledge to you that your own right hand can save you. God is so much higher than man. God is the creator of all that exists, and he is the ruler of you. He is the ruler of me. Abraham Kuiper said, "There is not a single square inch of all of creation over which Jesus Christ does not look and declare, "This is mine. He is the ruler. He is the creator of all. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. His authority and therefore his mission extend to all people. Revelation 5, 9, they sang a new song, saying heaven, saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain by your blood, but for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation when they were singing up here and singing in different languages, what a foreshadowing of heaven. This is not people gathered around the throne from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. But it is a foreshadowing of it. Because he is the the creator and the ruler of all, and because his authority and his command extends to all the nations, one day we will not be just this microcosm of the kingdom. One day we will be standing around the throne with people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation gathered around the throne to worship him, to worship him and him alone. He is... His authority extends to the ends of the earth and he therefore deserves glory from the, extends of the earth, from the extent of the earth. Revelation 5, 9, we just read. People from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, if you continue and you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and behold a multitude that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a, with a loud voice, "Salvation belongs to our God and to Him who sits on the th- and to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb." And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on his fa- on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, "Amen." blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. This is the God who gives us a commission. We don't need to ask any more questions. This is the God who gives us, us, us the commission. And we see in these passages, we see that that commission is not about the task. That task is not the end. The task of making disciples is not the goal. There is a higher goal. That is simply a means to an end. The goal is in this text. The goal is the grand worship of God from all of creation that we will gather around the throne and people from every tribe, tongue, people and nation, people from all over the world, people from every corner of the earth will be worshiping him. That's the, that's the goal. That's the point. That's the end. That's the end. This taxology demonstrates the supreme goal of God in creation, in his mission and in all of, act, all of his activity. The mission of God is to magnify the glory of God in all the earth because his glory is preeminent. Making disciples and salvation is penultimate, it is for the purpose of bringing about the ultimate worship of God. The mission, though, comes from authority. The mission is to make disciples. What does this mean? What does this mean that it's penultimate? What it means is the Great Commission is a methodology. It's our central task. The goal is the glory of God. It's what John Piper is talking about, the beginning of let the nations be glad when he says missions exist because worship doesn't. He's saying that the whole point is the worship of God. What we are about therefore is making disciples. So his method is to make disciples. The extent of his method is all nations. Now, not geopolitical nations. The the nation of China has many nations within it. The nation of China has many people groups. That's what we're after. Pantata ethne is is the Greek for all the nations. It's all the peoples. It's ethno-linguistic groups. It's people who have a common ethnicity, culture, and language. China has multiple, many people groups. The North Caucasus have many people groups. That's why we believe in sending people to go and live there long-term because we need to learn their language. We need to learn their culture. We need to learn those people so we can share the gospel to them. We do so because God is not a tribal deity. You can go to places in the world where they're animists, where they worship spirits and, and Tribal deities where you can go to this tribe and they worship the God of this mountain. You can go to this tribe and they worship the sun. They go, you go to this tribe and they worship this statue. You know, they worship this icon. They worship in this Buddhist temple. God is not a tribal deity. He is to be worshiped by all peoples. He is the God of creation. He is the God who deserves worship and he shares his glory with no other. He is not a tribal deity. And this is not universalism. If this is universalism, then we don't need to go to all the nations. All will be saved. Don't worry about them. They're fine, but this is not universalism. All will not be saved. And it's not panentheism. All roads lead to heaven. The God is in all things. If it's panentheism, then a good Hindu is getting to heaven. And the worst thing you can do as a Christian is go to India and tell them, don't be a Hindu, but instead be a Christian. Leave them alone. Let them be good Hindus. But the reality is, the truth is not inclusive. The gospel is not inclusive. It's an inclusive call. Go to all peoples. But it is an exclusive Savior. It's an exclusive salvation and an exclusive Savior. Salvation in Christ alone. And because it is an exclusive salvation in Christ alone, no other mediator, no other way of salvation, we must go to the ends of the earth. We must go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So we must make disciples. If we are to be a disciple and make disciples, we ought to know what disciples are. Disciples are those with a transformed heart, a transformed mind, a trans- with transformed affections, a transformed will, transformed relationships, and a transformed purpose. Jesus evidences what he believes to be a disciple when he says to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A disciple is someone who follows Christ, someone who's being changed by, by him and someone who's surrendering to his mission. How do we make disciples? Mark Dever says, we make the, making, making disciples is, is helping others follow him. IMB defines disciple making as the Christ commanded spirit empowered duty of every disciple of Jesus to evangelize unbelievers, baptize believers, teach them the word of Christ and train them to obey Christ as members of his church who make disciples on mission to all the nations. So how, how do we do this? The text tells us the command, the imperative in the text is to make disciples. And then the participles to follow tell us how. Go therefore, command, make disciples of all nations. Here's how, baptizing them and teaching them. So first, baptizing them. Matthew 3, 3, 13 to 17. Jesus answered him, John, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Only then did John consent to baptize Jesus. At first, John was saying, I'm not baptizing you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus demonstrated to John and to all of us the significance of baptism. It It is entrance into new life in Christ. It's entrance into the church. It's the beginning of this becoming a disciple. It's the beginning of following Christ. Acts 2, 37, 38. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Make disciples, baptizing them. This is the first aspect of making disciples. Entrance into life in Christ. Evangelism in a word. Sharing with someone who is not a Christian, how they can be a Christian. Seeing someone who is in the darkness, come into the light. Seeing someone who is far from God, be reconciled to God. Make a disciple. Someone who is not a follower of Christ, become a follower of Christ. Make disciples, do evangelism. Second aspect of making disciples, teaching. Someone comes to Christ, we don't stop. Jesus said in John 10, there are sheep, my sheep, that are not in this fold. We need to get them in this fold. So evangelism, get them in the fold. When we get them in the fold, we're not done. Our goal is not just to fill this room. Our goal is not only to see them come to faith, only see them baptized, only see them receive the gospel, but to continue in being changed by the gospel. In a word, discipleship. Making disciples is seeing new people come to Christ and seeing the disciples matured in Christ. It's about evangelism and discipleship. It's about salvation and sanctification. It's about receiving the gospel and growing in the gospel. We cannot do one or the other. If we do one, then we're a room full of baby Christians. If we do the other, then we're professional Bible study students. We need to be going with the gospel, making disciples, introducing people to Jesus and maturing, seeing them mature in the faith. Acts 2.42, notice just after 2.37 to 38, where Jesus said, where, where Peter said, repent and be baptized. 2.42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. After coming to Christ, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Acts 20, 18 through 20, Paul talking to the Ephesians elders said, I never shrank from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. It's not just, it's not only Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, atoning work for your sin, come into, the, come into his family. It's also... Look at all he has done for you. Look what he's called you to do. Look who he has called you to be. Look what he is doing in your life. Look what he's calling you to do, to go and to make disciples. It's a both and. Baptizing, teaching. There's another participle in this verse. The verse begins with it. Go therefore. Going is a disciple. The command is to make disciples. How do you do this? You go. Some have tried to explain Go not being the main imperative of the verse. And we've said things like, as you go and going, therefore. We cannot explain away the activity, the action, the intentionality, though, of going. We cannot make disciples. We will not make disciples without going. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have to go with the gospel. Now I should say, as I'm talking about going, remember I'm I'm the global disciple making pastor. So if you tell me that you want to go across the street to share the gospel, then I will encourage you in that. But I want to see you to go, I want to see you go to Central Asia to share the gospel. Okay, I, I, I wanna see you go farther. I wanna see you go longer. I wanna see you go away from here because we are and we will continue to say as long as there are unreached people groups, we need to go to the unreached because the missionary question is not where are there lost? The lost are Everywhere but the lost around here are not unreached because you live here. So some people will always need to be told in a room this size, there are always some that need to be told, don't stay here, go, go to the unreached. So unequivocally, I say, we must, we have to be faithful and obedient to the great commission right where we live. We must, God has planted us here. So we must share the gospel with April, who I see when I eat on Mondays with a group of guys. She's lost and she doesn't know the gospel. How dare I let her serve us food every week and not share the gospel with her? We have to go across the street How dare I live next to someone, Michael, who does not know the gospel and not share the gospel with him? We have to. We have to go to the least reached around us. That's why we're involved in Phoenix and Boston. That's why we go to West Virginia, because there are people who need to to hear the gospel near us, but they are not unreached. So as we talk about going with the gospel, we go in three ways, in two ways. That's the corrective, two, not three. We are goers and we are senders. We must all be going with the gospel. Some of us will physically get on a plane and go. Some of us will go somewhere else and share the gospel with people who would not, humanly speaking, otherwise hear the gospel. We have to go and tell them. Acts 1.8, don't stay here. If you understand the gospel, it always has a trajectory to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You have to go with the gospel. You have to go out from here. That's why we're here in Gastonia, North Carolina, so many thousands of miles away from Jerusalem because other people were faithful with the gospel to go and it's reached the farthest corners of the earth. But now the places where it started are called unreached again. So we always have to be going with the gospel. We can never stay with the gospel. We have to go and some will get on a plane and go. And if people are to get on a plane and go, then there must not only be goers, there must also be second category, senders. Now there are two categories, not three. I've taught before, three categories, goers, senders, and prayers. We should go send and pray. No longer will I intentionally say that again. There are two categories, the goers and senders. If we create, if we allow a third category of praying, that is an excuse to be a bad sender. That I'm not a goer and I'm not a sender, I'll pray. We should all be praying. All of us, every single one of us should be praying. A praying church is not an inactive church. We should all be praying. Praying is doing something. Praying is sending Okay, you are praying as you go or you're praying for others as you send them. To create a third category and say, I'm not a goer, I'm not a sender, I will pray is probably to excuse yourself from going and even to excuse yourself from sending. And if you're, not, if you're excusing yourself from sending, then you're probably not praying either. So speaking generally, not looking at anyone, I've just seen that happen in the life of churches in general that that third category is an excuse category. And our desire for Parkwood, if we're going to be engaged in the mission of God as a church and as individuals, then we must be goers and senders. Senders, 3 John 5, 8. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in the manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we we may be fellow workers for the truth. Senders are active. They're actively sending. They're actively supporting. They're actively praying for those who have gone out for the sake of the name. And they're always sending more. That's why we will, as I said earlier, as long as they're unreached, continue to say, we've got to go. If you are convinced that you should stay, then send well. But I will continue to beat the drum of sin, 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 and go, 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 because somebody in this room, if you're convinced you'll stay, you should stay, then somebody next to you is unconvinced and, is, and they haven't gone because nobody's told them yet. Nobody's suggested it yet. And nobody's gonna sit here in these chairs because we haven't suggested it. There is a command to go and make disciples. So we are going to suggest and plead and compel, go. Go for the sake of the nations and for the sake of his glory. We must be goers or senders. The mission is sealed by his continual presence. The behold is at the end. He's received authority. And in that authority, he commands us to make disciples, going, baptizing, teaching. Behold, I'm with you behold, there is no reason you cannot do this. There is no reason to shrink back. There is no reason to fear. Behold, I am with you. There is nowhere you should not go. His his authority extends to the ends of the earth. You can't go to a certain extent and say, I can't go any farther. He will go with you even to the end of the age. In Exodus 33, 14 and 15, God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Moses says, if your presence will not go with me, do not even bring us up from here. Do not go without God. But if God goes, we must go. And he says, I go with you even to the end of the age. Acts 1.8, they were told to wait for the Spirit. And then when they receive the power of the Spirit, they go because the Spirit is with them. Peter and John in prison. Don't worry about what you'll say then. When... When in that moment, the spirit will be with you and he will tell you what to say. With God, all things are possible. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But God goes with us. Behold, even to the end of the age, the mission is sealed by his continual presence. What an encouragement, what an assurance, what a hope, what a steadfast reality. So what? We have an undeniable mission. We cannot deny it. It is here in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. We have been given a commission by the one who has received all authority in heaven and on earth to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them. But it's not only here, it is in all of scripture. Genesis three fifteen, when he promises one who would strike the head of the serpent. In Genesis 12, one through three, when he calls Abraham and he says, through the Israelites, through your people, I will make you a blessing to all the families of the earth. Psalm 96, one through three, when he says, declare his glory among the nations. Listen to Isaiah 49, 6. It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the nation, bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation shall reach to the end of the earth. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, we've been in this morning. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to the whole creation. Luke 24, 46 to 48. Christ should suffer, a third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem, and your witnesses of these things. John 20:21, 20, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is come upon you, Acts 1.8. You'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Mary, ends of the earth. Revelation 5.9. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you were ransomed people from God, for God from every tribe, and language, people, and nation. It is throughout Scripture. There is an undeniable mission. It's written on every page. He's given us the Bible so that we can so that we can make disciples, so that we know God and we can make him known, so that we can be a disciple and make disciples. It is undeniable. Will you join the mission? Will you be missional? Will you allow your life, will you make your life characterized by this mission? Secondly, we have an unavoidable mission. It's undeniable, it's clear, it is there all throughout the Bible it's also unavoidable for the believer. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, Jesus Christ has saved you. That's why it's unavoidable. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, he talks about those who are far from God have been brought near. You have sinned, I have sinned, and my sin causes this great chasm between God and me. And I must pay for my sin. And the day you sin, you shall surely die for the wages of sin is death. We are condemned in our sin. We are condemned by our sin. We deserve to die. We must pay the penalty of our sin. Destruction, eternal torment in hell. We deserve it. We've asked for it. We wanted it. We were far from God and left to ourselves. We would continue to run as far from God as we could ever be. We would not run to him. We cannot save ourselves. And yet Jesus has come to us and he has been the propitiation for our sins. He has been the atoning sacrifice. He has received the condemnation that was due me. He received it. He took it on himself and he gave me his righteousness. How can I, who have been forgiven so much, avoid the mission to make disciples? It's unavoidable. We must all, Parkwood and every member of Parkwood, must engage in the mission of God. To see his magnified glory, his glory magnified in all the earth, and to see his gospel proclaimed in all the world. Please don't avoid the mission. John Piper, if he gave a suggestion, if you need help, if you don't want to avoid the mission, and you need help engaging the mission, he gave a simple instruction: read a missionary biography. Go home, read a missionary biography. If you don't have one, there are some out there in the the lobby. They've already been bought, but you can also get a book called From Jerusalem to Erie and Jaya. It's a book about yay thick, but in that book, 50 plus missionary biographies, a few pages long a piece. And you can read one a day, just a few pages and read about missionary biographies. The reason John Piper recommends that is he says that will kill the American dream in you and raise up a heart for the nations. So if you need help engaging the mission, then read your Bible, read a missionary biography, go on a short-term trip, talk to a missionary this week. Don't let this week pass us by. We are fellow workers for the truth. So I pray that we would receive them, encourage them and send them on in a manner worthy of God. Let's pray. Our Father, we are above all grateful for your gospel. I am sorry for where I have made this more complex or less clear than necessary because your mandate is clear. You love us, you've chosen us, you've revealed your gospel to us and you say there are other people that need to receive this gospel as well. Take it to them. Make us do that in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this audio presentation from Parkwood Baptist Church located in Gastonia, North Carolina. Please feel free to share this message with others. For more information about Parkwood Baptist Church, visit parkwoodonline.org. That's parkwoodonline.org.